Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today, it's my pleasure to be interviewing our special guest, Jose Fernandez, all the way from New Jersey. And Jose is a full-time real estate entrepreneur, kind of got thrown into the whole real estate thing a few years ago after being laid off from his job. So he, I think he'd been dabbling in it up until that time. Then he, he was forced to jump into it full-time, which has turned out to be a very, very good thing. And Jose focuses primarily doing buy, fix, and sells or flips. And he also has a portfolio of long-term buy and hold properties focusing on multifamily properties. So Jose, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the introduction, man. My pleasure. So Jose, I kind of gave a little brief background there, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about that story. So, cause it sounds pretty interesting how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. So, um, I never thought about investing in real estate until, um, I met some friends, some people that were already in the business. And I'm sure as you know, and a lot of people in your audience know that, you know, there's always those advertisements that come across, learn about real estate investing and do it with no money or credit. And I had, there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I had seen those around, but I never really paid attention to those because number one, I thought they weren't real. It's like, how do you really find buy houses without using any money or credit? I was very skeptical. Number two was I didn't have time because I was working full time and I had a cell phone and computer repair business that I didn't really know what to do. I just, in terms of the business, I didn't know how to run the business. I just wanted to fix my cell phones and computers and make money. But I had started doing that to, you know, supplement my income because I didn't want to work for somebody for the rest of my life to the 40 year, 40, 50 year plan. And I also needed to do it because when I graduated college as an engineer, I was 2008 here in the U.S. So it wasn't the best time to go out there and start and get a job right after college. So I had to supplement my income somehow. And luckily for me, I was invited to one of those presentations at the time. I say luckily now because it turned out for me the way it did, but I'm very skeptical and very, you know, neglected to go to the meeting. But somebody asked me nicely and I said, okay, fine. And then I was introduced to people that were already investing in real estate and educated myself. And from there, I still continued to work and still have myself on a computer repair business. But like you mentioned before, I was dabbling, right? I was trying to do it. I was like, well, this could be a good idea. And I would look at houses here or make calls, random calls here and never really got into it. Had a lot of excuses in my mind now that I look now behind, but I still was working for time and the cell phone and computer repair business. And then life, when I got married during that time frame, we had a newborn baby. We upgraded to a bigger place. And lo and behold, as soon as all that happened, boom, just like that, my job laid me off. And yeah, so just like that, my job laid me off. So during that time, I I was really reflecting on what I was going to do next. You know, am I going to continue to look for another job? Am I going to go back to work right away as an engineer? Or am I really going to give this real estate thing a shot? Something that I was dabbling for the last two years. So I decided, you know what, let me take this six months to a year to kind of really give focus, full focus on this business because I wasn't necessarily needing to go get a job because I still had that cell phone and computer repair business kind of was like my fallback. My part-time turned into my full-time and luckily I always had the cushion there. And what happened was I just had to have 
you know, wasn't going to let my wife down, the baby down, all the things that we had just were looking to accomplish as a new married couple and new family, I uh, wasn't going to let them down. So, you know what, now I got, I got to burn the boats and go make this thing work. And took me from the time I got laid off, took me about six months to get my first fix and flip project. And from there, we just been able to duplicate the process one after the other, one after the other. And that was five years ago when we did that first transaction. And since then, I haven't had to look for another job and we've been doing this full time. So what got you into doing the fix and flip strategy in the first place? What What is it that you like the most about it? Okay. Well, first of all, I don't really enjoy particularly fixing and flipping. Uh, what brought me into that concept was the fact that in my market, it was pretty difficult for me to find that one deal. So the thought of putting it and selling it, you know, just for a five, $10,000 profit to me was like, well, then I have to really work another couple of months to find this next one. You know, that put me in a position where like, man, like, I mean, there gotta be a better way to monetize this property. And even though I had to put up some money, which at the time I didn't use is still, it was, it's true. What I learned, I didn't use any of my own money to do that transaction. And we made a good chunk of change there. We made about, we walked out of that closing with over 60 grand in that first transaction. But the reason was because of that, I didn't want to just sell it off and then wonder what was going to happen for the next couple of months if I found another deal and do the same thing. So might as well use some of the resources that I had accumulated that I had access to to do that transaction. And at the same time, while that transaction was going on, look for the next one. That was my strategy behind that. So, so but is your primary strategy fixing and flipping? Yeah. Ever since then, yes. Since so from the first one, our primary strategy has always been fixing and flipping from there. From that one property, we just build it up from there after that. Excellent. So what, what kind of volume of deals are you doing on average in a year these days? So the last two years, we've kind of been on average about four to five a year. So every quarter we have a new fix and flip project. We're in the process. We're under that $300,000 annual income. My business partner and I, we split that. But, you know, that business model. Pretty good income. So I'm not familiar with the New Jersey market. So what kind of price range are you looking at for properties? So we really started off in the beginning with the 200000 after repair value. And we're right now in the um, four to 500000 after repair value. So we kind of upgraded our circle, but we prefer to be in that two to 350 Middle class. Middle class. Yeah. That's what we really prefer to be. So if your property value is 300000 after repaired value, what do you typically... I know it's all over the board, but what are you typically trying to get that property for when you purchase it? So we want to be into, after the repairs and everything is done into the house, the house is ready to list. We want to have at least 20 to 25% equity into the property. Yeah, that that makes us for a good good opportunity to make some money. Anything under that, it puts us in a a big risk for breaking even or not making enough for the time that we're working on it. And potentially if something happens, you know, losing out so are you guys swinging hammers or do you have a crew that does the no no man i've never done that before that's something i uh, never wanted to do which is the reason why my business partner is the one that handles a lot of the construction side i never had any experience in construction so when that first that first fix and flip that happened uh, we did that first fix and flip i'd never done anything with that 
kind of worked before in my life. And luckily for me, I had somebody in my network that had construction experience for a long time and was kind of like in the same position as I am in terms of getting into this business. So we started talking and we got serious about it. And then that's how we started going after these properties. So are, you, um, are you more of the kind of like the marketing guy, finding the deals kind of guy? Doing right. Kind of stuff? Is that your specialty? Exactly. So I'm more the acquisitions person and the handling the marketing and the outreach of the clients and oh. streamlining the process. And obviously we confer back and forth on what we're doing and those kinds of things. But at the end of the, once we have the deal, it goes into his expertise. Like, okay, well, you know, during the transaction, yeah. During, well, during the transaction, well, in the, current, the closing process, we're trying to figure that out. So that way, when we hit the closing, we already know what we got to you know, do. You know what your plan is. We're not wasting any time. I, I'm always curious. What are you finding is working best these days for finding these kind of properties? Because I imagine, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I am. I imagine you're really focusing on folks that have distressed properties or they're in distressed situations and they need to sell pretty quickly. What do you find works best for finding deals these days in your area? So absolutely, Dave. When I first got started investing in real estate, I think this is one of the rookie mistakes that everyone makes when they get started is they just talk to anybody that wants to sell a house, right? And that's what I was doing. The first time when I was dabbling, I was just talking to anybody that had a for, a for sale sign outside or talking to realtors about properties, anything that looked like a fixer upper, I was talking to them. But they wanted top dollars. Those people wanted top dollars. And what I started focusing on eventually was people that needed to sell their properties. Like you said, they were in those distress situations. So that kind of switched the business. That was a turning point for my business. And the way we do that is we focus primarily on people that are going into foreclosure, you know, pre-foreclosure process, people that inherited houses, and anything that has to do with vacant properties. Uh, we do a lot of driving for dollars and vacant properties. So, I mean, our primary strategies are people in foreclosure and people that are inheriting properties. What is the, the size of the market area that you're focusing on? The size, we, we focus on a couple of counties in New Jersey. We don't just focus on one city because the, um, in the city that I live in is a relatively, it's not a huge city but it's not a small city either. So it's about 250,000 people in the area and it's heavily, heavily saturated with competition here because I live on the other side of the river from Manhattan. Oh. So we have people from all over New York City that want to come into this area, people from this area. So it's just like a very competitive market. So we spread our marketing into about three different counties. But within those three different counties, we cover, I mean, I don't know the number of cities off the top of my head, but we market to like 30 to 40 cities yeah. in this particular area yeah. where we are. And we don't do deals in all those cities, but when somebody kind of raises their hand and like, hey, listen, I need to sell my house and I live over here. It's like, cool, we'll go over there and we'll pick up the deal and we'll do our research and we get it done. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you're reaching out to people that are in pre-foreclosure, you're reaching out to, you're driving for dollars, you're looking for vacant properties, you're looking for people that have inherited properties. Things work a little bit differently in the States than they do in Canada. So are you able to find lists of those kind of people or, or how are you beating the bush and finding folks that are in pre-foreclosure and, and inherited properties? 
Yeah, so we, we do it the old school way. The lists are available in the courthouse. First, we started off doing it myself, where I would go to the courthouse and compile the list and prepare the marketing pieces and send them out manually and all that kind of stuff. And now what we have is we have virtual assistants that help us do that. Luckily for us, a lot of the towns that when I first started investing were only that you, you had to go physically to the courthouses. Yeah. Now, a lot of those upgraded to online, oh, nice. online, online listing. <laughs> so, yeah. So ever since then, we hired assistants to kind of, you know, go into those public records, scrub those, that information, same thing that we trained them how to do that. And they automatically just insert it into our um, marketing system. And all we do at this point is kind of oversee the process that they're doing and send out the marketing the pieces. And that's where we are with the process. Oh, that's uh, I love it. So old mail. school is new school. Direct mail is, mm-hmm. is what works and still working like gangbusters. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a really good marketing machine set up. Typically, how many touches are you sending out? How many patients are you sending out on average before you get a call? I know it's all over the board, but. You mean for a specific person? I mean, we yeah. send our, our marketing pieces are about for everyone that comes in our list. We send for anywhere between three to six marketing pieces, depending on city, location, property type there's all different criteria that we have but we go we go between three and six touches for postcards and the average we get anywhere between two to three calls a week in our system and our average transaction is about anywhere between two to twenty five hundred dollars in marketing spent oh marketing spent well that's not bad because your your average profit on a deal is it's five Ten figures, yeah. 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 yeah, tens of thousands, yes. Yeah, that's so yeah, that direct mail system, we worked really hard in 2019 to get it to that point, which has freed us up into 2020 exploring a lot of stuff online. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hats off to you. I love, I'm a marketer myself at heart, so I always appreciate people that are doing good stuff when it comes to marketing. So hats off to you for that. Well, say time flies when we're having fun. So if people want to find out more about you, more about Jose Fernandez and, and what you're up to with real estate investing, what can they do? Well, for me, they can either find me on Instagram or they can go directly to my page on Instagram. I'm at Learn Real Estate Investing with underscores in between. And my website is learnreiwithjose.com. Very simple. Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing some of your experience and your wisdom. Awesome, Danny. Thanks for having me on here today. It was very fun, and I hope to talk to you soon in the future. Likewise. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries, about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.